Hello and welcome to the Bike Podcast from The Guardian. Coming up, we learn from the police why the bobby on the bike is still a crucial part of law enforcement in this country. With cycle theft an ongoing problem, Condor Cycles present a beginner's guide to buying a bike lock. And Francesca Panetta finds out how bike routes are created as she joins in a Buckingham scouting mission with Sustrans. But first, earlier this month the Bicycle Film Festival rocked up at the Barbican for the London leg of its 39 cities tour. The idea is to celebrate cycling through film, music and art. But what are films and bicycles have in common? Jason Solomons is a film critic for The Observer but something of a cyclophobe, so the perfect person to go along and find out. I looked down and saw there was a flower in my pedal. It must have gotten stuck there when I rode through the meadow. It was a scary ride, but sometimes scary is fun. Bicycle's pretty much a perfect invention. It's fun to see all, all the cyclists here, all in the same place. There's a stack of bikes outside. It took, took me a while to come, come in, just like admiring all the bikes. My name is Sérgio, apelido Balu. Tenho 15 anos de bike. Ando aqui no Guarujá Beach, São Paulo, Brasil. I always wanted to go for years and that's it's the first time I actually make it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool, it's really good. Um, I'm not really part of the community as such, um, but it's nice to be around people who cycle. I think that cyclists often um, like to form groups and like to rec- recognize each other and cycling increasingly is becoming a sort of self-conscious gang <laughs> community of pe- people who re- recognize each other on the street, check out each other's bikes. Have I got to be in the stirrups? Oof! Right. I'm not a keen cyclist myself, so it's lucky that the bike I'm pedaling now is inside, attached to the floor and not moving. It does, however, power the music you can hear in the background. It's one of the weird and wonderful things to get involved with at the London leg of the Bicycle Film Festival. Now in its ninth year, the festival takes in 38 different cities worldwide. I'm exhausted just thinking about that. Do you remember in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang when uh, he invents a machine that cuts hair through bicycle if you pedal really fast? Well, I think that This is obviously kind of modelled on that. And we're going faster and faster. Uphill, I might end up bald by the end of tonight. Well, I've got off my bike now, got my breath back, and I'm now down in the bowels of the Barbican at the Cinema Foyer, where I'm with the founder of the Bicycle Film Festival, Brent Barber. Do the two disciplines go together? Because it seems, I mean, it seems to me that the, the, the film you're kicking off tonight with, that we're going to see as soon as Peter Yates is breaking away, which to me is a cinephile, is the sort of best bike movie ever. That's the one that kind of tells the story of biking. Is that the one that, that kind of grabbed you, first of all? Is that why you were kicking off with it? Um, well, actually, it's the 30th anniversary of this movie. And personally, yes, my uncle took me to this movie. I'm Italian-American. Uh, and there's many reasons why I love this movie. We do show some classics and some programming, but we have so many submissions f- from, again, all over the world. We have to select new movies, you know, because there's so many good new movies that come out and things that are relevant, you know, from the road cycling or um, trekking. You know, and, like, people are surprised, like, how do you get all these movies about bikes or how do you get all this artwork? And I think that, like, currently in this culture, in Western society, 
people who ride daily, it takes someone that's kind of adventurous. It takes someone that thinks a little bit differently and takes someone that's creative, the way they're going to live their lives. And so therefore, oftentimes, that's a filmmaker or an artist, you know. It's contact sport, body on body, mallet on mallet. <laughs> Put your foot down. If you do, you gotta tap out. And contact is leg to leg, body to body, mallet to mallet, and uh, bike to bike. You just heard an exclusive clip there from a new film, Polo Manual, directed by Brendan McNamee, who joins me now. Congratulations on getting your film into the festival, Brendan. Thank you very much. Polo Manual essentially is based on an instruction manual, and it's sort of it's a wry take on instruction manuals and all the things that are inherent in polo. Uh, there's an obvious connection to polo, but it, where did the idea for this come to you? Um, I guess really I wanted to do something which was largely visual and um, you know I make music videos so I wanted to do something which didn't have a lot of dialogue in it and um, so graphically the idea kind of came from that. Actually the reason why I play polo is because of the Bicycle Film Festival because I came to a, a, the first ever polo tournament which is I guess about three years ago and I said that's it, I've got to try that. This is a weird contraption. It's called the cycling machine. I'm with the man who invented it, Andrew Locke. What is it? You get on. Uh, you've got a screen in front of you. You've got um, a ride, basically. We went out into East London and we recorded our trip, interviewed people, took some pictures, took some video, and we've represented it back to you in a virtual ride, uh, which takes you about five minutes, but the faster you cycle, the faster it happens for you. So I put that. Do I put the headphones on? Surround sound. Start pedalling now. Pedal to move through. The screen is going. Here we go. I can hear the music. Nice. Up I go. And now I'm like going over London Bridge now, which is right. I'm in the middle of London Bridge. There's all kind of ghostly people heading, switching out to work, and I'm going right past them. I'm going to go right past this lot because they're boring commuters. I've got the freedom of London. I've got the wind in my hair on my bike. Uh, there's a tank. There's a bloke on a tank. Where am I? I know South London's got bad, but we don't need tanks to get through it anymore, do you? I'm joined now by Christian House, uh, who uh, I must congratulate. He's first place at the British National Road Race Championships. You, you're part of the Rafa Condor team, and you're down here at the Bicycle Film Festival. Why, sir? Well, I mean, this is a this is a movie that I actually I grew up watching. Um, yeah, it, it kind of was. Uh, I, kind of relate to the kid um, you know I was just getting into cycling as uh, you know and, and this movie got thrown in my face and, and uh, I started watching it and it became kind of it's iconic in, in the, you know in, in the beginning of my cycling there, there are scenes of that movie which uh, I can relate to the first time that I shaved his legs I remember doing the exact same thing scared shitless about what my dad was going to say you know things like this event are going to help people get on bikes and uh, that's that's always going to be a good thing so the atmosphere is really heating up now. Uh, bicycle people are descending from all places to the uh, foyer here at the Barbican. Uh, it's time to go and watch the centrepiece of this opening night celebration, Peter Yates' classic film, Breaking Away. Thank you so much for coming out, and please enjoy coming to all the other events. And uh, Bikes Rock, thank you. It was somewhere right along here that I lost all interest in life. Ah! It was right here. This is where I saw Dolores Reinecke and Fat Marmon. Yeah, it was an amazing piece of cinema. 
it was uh, I think something that was quite inspiring I guess especially as a, a cyclist to see something that's kind of so light-hearted and so sort of pure in a way but uh, it's a very good movie huh? I like it a lot exactly <laughs> yeah it's great I thought it was amazing really inspiring quite entertaining and just really sweet little film Breaking Away is a fun film wish I'd seen it uh, first when, when I was a kid because it would have inspired me even more if you race you kind of know how that mentality works it's great fun you know I think if you see a film like that with cyclists they get the the little jokes the little subtle humor a lot more than if you're watching it with a, a non-cyclist so that's the bicycle film festival at the Barbican I have to say, confess I came here a bit skeptical I'm a big film fan obviously but not so much of a cycling fan so I was interested to see uh, what sort of people are going to be and what sort of films really but it looks like a very healthy mix of kind of keen cyclists and keen filmmakers so I have to support all that uh, I'm still a big film fan have I been converted into a cyclist not at this time of night taxi The once familiar sight of a bobby on his bike is making a comeback across the UK as police reveal a surge in the number of officers pounding the beat on their bicycles. In London, the number of bikes used by the Metropolitan Police increased from just over 400 in summer 2005 to around about 2,500 in July 2009. So what are the advantages of reverting to this traditional method of crime prevention? PC Ricky Martin is from Holloway Police Station in North London and he regularly patrols the beat two-wheel style. Handcuffs for detaining naughty people. Getting changed into my protective vest, which I have to wear by law. It's a stab-proof vest. And the radio. The most important tool is the radio. Because if you haven't got it, no one can hear you. And <laughs> they don't know where you are. Let's go. You've got number of bikes were used um, in the police. Some of them are clearly police bikes, they've got police written down the side, and then others for purposes such as this, when we obviously don't want to be seen. That's what I'm going to get out now, if I can get in. Okay, this evening we're going to go out, it's eight o'clock, we're going to go on to the wards where we have particular problems, one being antisocial behaviour, the other vehicle crime and, and burglaries. So groups of, of kids congregating on estates, we will stop and speak to them and also people that are hanging around that we don't really think they have any reason to be hanging around for. This is Mercer's Road, it's just off Holloway Road. Here it's, it's generally quite quiet with regards to antisocial behaviour but um, we have quite a lot of vehicle crime that's happened recently around here so this is one of the main areas that we target when we, when we cycle around at night. Hey fellas, you right? I'm a police officer. Bear with me a second and have a quick word with you. Um, are you are you local, fellas? Are you? Oh no, Kentish where, where are you heading to now? My cousin. My cousin's just in the end here. Just oh. got a new flat. Just gonna pop up and see. Oh. Um, have you been in trouble with the police before? Oh, yeah. You fellas, you have. What have you been in trouble uh, for? Cannabis. Possession of weapons. You haven't got any on you now, have you? Nah. What I'm gonna do. Fellas, um, I, know, I know you're saying you're going to your friends, but because we've, we've had a lot of um, vehicle crime, etc. What I'm going to do, I'll just give you a quick search each just to make sure that you haven't got anything on you. I'll give you a form. If you just, if you empty what you've got in your pockets, just turn round and just, it, just show me the lining of your pockets. Yeah. Form it up. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks, man. Very polite young man. Yeah, no, they're um, they're fine. Quite often. Quite often we stop people that are just passing through, and even if they're known, they've got previous convictions, etc. 
they're, um, they're perfectly decent people, quite happily sit and speak to you. you know, maybe we'll uh, stop someone later that's not quite so amenable. <laughs> what I tend to do is, as when we're walking around, we tend to cycle quite slowly, just so that, A, you don't tie yourself out, <laughs> and B, you tend to see a lot more, and, and especially when you're cycling or, or walking as well, if you walk too quickly, you tend to miss things. always an, an element of risk when you're um, doing anything relating to emergency services, especially in, in the police. A lot of it's down to obviously how you speak to people and how you deal with people, but you've got to use your experience to say, well, if I believe I need more um, assistance here, then not to engage them before you get more people there. And there's a bit of luck involved, but it's down to your training and your experience, I think, and, and specifically the way you, you speak to people. Mate, look, just, just give me your date of birth quickly and I'll, I'll let you get on your way. I'll just do a quick check. Where are you heading now? Um, to the shops. Oh, okay. Have you been in trouble with the police before? Um, yeah, but that's been a while. I need to take you in for a strip search, do I? No. No? No. Concealing anything anyway you shouldn't be. What was it for? For well, that attempted robbery, but that was like, over two years ago. Okay, you haven't been in trouble since? No. Have you got any identification? Yeah, I'm on Hilldrop Road, N7. Can I have uh, one person Yeah, what's your warrant number? Well, whose phone is this registered to? Can I uh, check an IMEI number for a mobile phone with you, please? This time you said, no, not wanted, not disqualified. This is Carl Eaton Road. Um, the estate here on the right-hand side is uh, the Tufnell Park estate. It's the biggest estate we've got, and it tends to be focal point of where we get large groups of youths congregating in the uh, in the communal areas sometimes smoking drugs uh, occasionally uh, getting up to um, other crimes such as stolen mopeds etc so well uh, this time normally you'll find sub groups of between 10 and 15 down there so we'll we'll go down and see if they're there and see if they want to talk to us evening what you up to fellas just playing around where's Kareem, have you seen him? You've fallen out with him? They've obviously fallen out with one of the group that used to hang around with them. He's a local lad and he was in quite a lot of trouble a little while ago, but he's recently, I think he's been trying to clean his act up. So, um, I don't know, they've obviously had a bit of a fallout. So, we'll, um, we'll go up and uh, try on the other estates. My colleagues use the bikes on a regular basis. They, um, the, the community support officers go out in uniform on the bikes as a visual presence. They cover a lot more ground. You know, they can deal with incidents when other people are on bikes. But the main, the main point of it is that you, you want to be out the majority of your time on your beat and you want to be able to cover the most amount of ground that you can and, and be a visible presence. I'm not saying it's necessarily like it was back in uh, when the old policeman on his bicycle, but... It's, uh, I suppose you, it's, it's similar, it's a very effective tool to use if you've got a, quite a big beat to cover. If you're walking round, you might only get round it two or three times in a night, whereas on a bike, you know, you might cover 30 miles in five or six hours, so you can, you know, hopefully the public can see you more or you can have more of an opportunity to see things that are going on. It's quarter to one, um, sort of the end of the the shift as we're doing tonight. It's been relatively quiet. I would say 
Being on a safe and able team, this is a sort of quite a regular occurrence. It's not the fast paced of being on a response team where you're going from call to call dealing with incidents because you're dealing with community issues and you, you get to know um, the community, you get to know the people that A are probably causing the problems, the use on the estate. So hopefully it's testament to the good work we're doing that it's, it's reasonably quiet and uh, we never know, on the way back we might stop someone else but uh, I would, uh, I'm quite satisfied that we've had a good night and uh, the crime level this evening is hopefully quite low. Hi, I'm Claire from Condor Cycles, based in Grayson Road, Central London. You heard from one of our riders, Christian House, earlier, and now we're going to talk to you about protecting your bike and locks. Abbas and many of the other bike and lock manufacturers have uh, level systems that they display on the front of their locks and packaging. Have a look for this, because it will tell you how much protection you're getting with the lock. The first lock we have here is uh, from Abbas, it's $16.99. This is a fairly entry level lock and uh, provides you a basic level of protection. This would be good for a local ride, popping over to the local supermarket to grab some groceries, but not much more than that and I wouldn't leave it outside a train station. Our next lock is a D-lock or a shackle lock, basically there's a U-shape in the design. Although this lock's got lots of security, the downside is that it's much more expensive at $64.99. With that, you've got a maximum security level of 10. This lock is much more suitable for leaving it out all day in a high crime area. I've got one here that's a bit cheaper. It's called the Stilo Chain. It's $49.99. Abbas rate it 8 out of 10. The advantage of it is you can wrap it around more items. The problem is it's very heavy. This lock is suitable to leave your bike outside in your garden in a shed overnight. Remember, no lock is completely thief-proof, provided the thief has the right tools and the right amount of time. Keep your bike locked in a public place gives them less time to sneak away and attack your lock. And that's our Condor Cycles Guide to Buying a Bike Lock. The National Cycle Networks are a fantastic way to explore the countryside, mapping out over 12,000 miles of routes for walkers and cyclists across the country. And many more routes are planned by Sustran, the sustainable transport charity behind the project. But many obstacles stop such routes being built. The Guardian's Francesca Panetta joined Sustran Regional Director Simon Pratt to scout for a cycle network to link High Wycombe with Bourne End, six miles away along a disused railway line. Yeah, this, this section's pretty good as it stands. I mean, we can make reasonable progress. You can still see there's some of the old stone left from the old railway line, the old ballast. And in fact, the leaf mould and so on that's compacted it over the years and people walking their dogs has actually made quite a comfortable surface to ride on. So you're scouting this route out today as a potential path for, for Sustram. What kind of things are we, are we looking for? Well, we're looking for where the, the, where the old line has disappeared is the biggest problem. So we're looking to see what alternative routes there are. In many places the line's actually been built over with uh, houses or in one case a school. So can we go round and if not, can we find an alternative route on the road that will get us onto the sections that are available? So are you basically designing these Sustran routes 
as kind of leisure routes or as, as practical routes to get from to get from A to B? The, the, the best sort of route is actually uh, multi-purpose, so it'd be used for all sorts of journeys. You can see here that um, it's right in the middle of the town, so it would get used for everyday journeys, but because it's such, you know, you wouldn't believe you're right in the middle of, of the biggest town in Buckinghamshire. And it's such a, such a, just a wonderful place to, to walk the dog or take your children for a bike ride that uh, I'm sure it would get a lot of use. We seem to have reached the end of this bit we of railway have, line. Yes, now what do we do? Precipitous drop down to the A40, so I think we'll have to uh, turn back and find another way. This is Bassett's, Bassettsbury Lane which although has a few cars, it's actually a dead-end road, so it's actually a pretty good route. So if we just go around to the right here. So I lost you there. That's quite right. That's yeah. a classic problem. We've just uh, overshot where, where it's not obvious. I think that sign is actually turned around the wrong way. Well, that is one of the problems of these routes, isn't it? They can be a bit convoluted. I mean, the small section we've done so far has been quite complicated and I think if I didn't know High Wycombe I would have got lost. Yes, yes, but of course we would uh, say well it's designed for local people and really you only need the signs once. If it's, if it's a daily journey, once you've found the route, the signs are irrelevant. Start passing a children's playground and this sort of route that links up community facilities as well as being a, a longer distance route from A to B is the sort of the ideal that we're aiming for. All they could do is cutting the branches a little bit. <laughs> that one got me. What powers does Sustran have in terms of manipulating a way through this route you're taking me through? We don't have any powers ourselves. We are only a charity. Um, but we don't have any powers of our own apart from powers of persuasion. However, if this was to be restored as a railway, or indeed as a, a tram line or, or, or a guided bus, the local authorities have the, all the powers they need through the Transport and Works Act and compulsory purchase and so on to, to create the route. And are you talking to the authorities to try and push through those kind of things? Yes, indeed. I th we, we do prefer to do it by persuasion in the sense of talking to private landowners. We have contacted all the landowners on this route and of course you only need one to, st to stick out and say no, I don't want this and you don't have a route. Okay, we've just joined the A4094 which is a moderately busy A road between High Wycombe and Bourne End and this is probably the biggest challenge on the route because the roads we've been on to date haven't been too bad, they've been traffic calmed but this road is, you know, the main road through the valley. There's quite a few HGVs down here. There's not a lot you can do. There, is, there are footways on the road, but they're a bit too narrow for shared use. And it's a real challenge in this type of situation. Can you get traffic speeds down enough to allow cycling? Does that mean that this route now is, is not possible? Do we have to abandon our scouting trip? Well, yes and no. We still would hope long term to get access to the old railway line and you wouldn't know it was there looking at it from here but it's literally 100 yards away behind these industrial buildings here. Frustrating.
passed through the delightful village of Reuben Green and we're just leaving the main road to rejoin the old railway line. I've been down here for a while so it might be a little bit overgrown. I don't know how that's being tackled. And to turn this into a proper cycle path, what would you need to do? Not a great deal. Um, you'd obviously need to clear back some of the vegetation. But we certainly wouldn't be looking for wholesale clearance. This corridor is about 20 metres wide, I think. And we reckon to clear a corridor six metres wide. Then it's just a question of putting a new surface down. So, a cyclist, finally a cyclist on our route. Did you realise that you were cycling along a, an, an old um, railway line? Yes, I do, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, why do you cycle along here? Well, just for the exercise. I just come out on daily for the exercise and I cycle along the road to Bourne End and I come back through the cycle track. And if, if this if this railway line was, was totally opened all the way from Bourne End to High Wycombe, which actually is the, is the route we're doing today but in reverse? It would be very nice, yeah. I'd use it all the time. It's a shame it's not open all the way, it is, it really is. Yeah. So here we are back on the main road in Bourne End. We made it. We have, and I guess in days gone by this must have been a level crossing, because I don't think there used to be a bridge here, but you can see where the road is slightly raised up. Well, that stretch there really gave me a feeling of how it would be if you could have the whole railway line totally to yourselves. I mean, it would be absolutely gorgeous cycle. Yes. But it's not going to happen, is it? It's not, it's not realistically going to happen. Well, not continuously. I think this section from Wooburn Green to Bourne End is the most likely. With all these types of things, it's important to make a start somewhere, even if you can't get the whole route, because it kind of shows what it could be like. These things do take time. Well, Simon, thank you very much for taking me out on the cycle ride from High Wycombe to Bourne End today. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this edition of the Bike Podcast, but you can find out about all the latest bike news and views at our blog, which lives at guardian.co.uk slash bike slash blog. And the Bicycle Film Festival is on its way to Denver and will be in Tokyo in November. Check bicyclefilmfestival.com for more details. That's all from us. Hope you'll join us next month for more features from the wide world of cycling.